0: Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I am one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And across from me, we have David. Spoopy boys. Spoopy boys! <laughs> also known as Nightly. Freddy is not here right now, so uh, rest in RIP. <laughs> <laughs> but we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife, and that's night with what? K. K by pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, our featured film of tonight was something I'm very, very excited about but I'm glad I made it for this episode. I am too.
1: I'm glad I didn't miss this one.
0: I'm, I'm really glad you didn't miss this one because this is officially Black History Month, mm-hmm. right? This is an, honestly a month that I'm very, very excited about. This is the first time I personally am doing something to release to the world on Black History Month, so this is a pretty big deal for me personally, but this is Black History of Horror. Now, this is a, a fascinating time, if you will. I did have a little excerpt that I wanted to read uh, For this month, however, I am going to save that for a later episode Uh, that's going to kind of tie things in and just uh, wrap this whole month up in a bow. Uh, So we are going to just save that little excerpt that I have. It's going to be worth the um, wait. Oh, it sure is. Because <laughs> it, it is, man, it really hunkers down on how black horror is. But for tonight's film to kick off Black History of Horror is Bernard Rose's Candyman. This movie's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> So, first and foremost, thoughts.
1: Man, um, these types of movies where no one really understands what's going on, these types of movies get me the worst. It's not, I mean, clearly it's horror, right? It's not a feel-good movie, but it's like, I'm just like, damn, this sucks. The entire time I'm watching it, like, (laughs) can someone just help someone out, please? Help me, please! (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, this, this movie... Aged well. It did. It's very intriguing. Uh, really good, like, boogeyman concept and growing off of it, right? Right. Um, but also, this weird, like, sexual attention in there as Super well. Super sexy, right? Yeah. Is, I get I get so a lot of early film history of films from the 20s and 30s that, yeah. um, that focus on camera work, on closing up to our main protagonist's face and, like, really just glamoring her shot. Yeah, like with
0: the to, eyes. Yeah, to make
1: her sparkle. Very nineteen twenties, very nineteen thirties. Yeah, uh, and I think it plays off that because, I mean, this this movie really tackles things that go all the way back to eighteen ninety uh, that are relevant all the way till
0: nineteen ninety. Yeah, um, so it's incredible. This yeah. this movie is really good, even though it kind of has those tropes that uh, you have for most black characters, as you see, like. Very, very early on, you have the sacrificial black friends, mm-hmm. um, and you also have uh, a, a few other uh, like, like kind of uh, throwing the the black people into an area where it's yeah. the projects and uh, or Cabrini Green. Um, but it's just it's fascinating because it was like this is the hood's boogeyman, yeah, like this is what like. Uh, black folks are scared of in this neighborhood and they mm. know how to respect it at the same time, and right? And keep its distance. Exactly. Yeah. Like to, like making sure like people don't forget like yeah. this is this is who actually stalks this land and like this is this is his place, not ours, kind of thing. We're just guests. And
1: Candyman even says he is rumor.
0: Like he right.
1: only continues to be an entity because of that fear, because of that hearsay right. speaking of uh folklore. Yep and it's 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 crazy because he wants to be caught in this in between where people fear the idea of him but not also be entirely known to stay hidden in the shadows yeah. because he is a boogeyman so 100%. it's is really in between but i i think what you were saying earlier talking about how we're in the projects here it's this film really plays off the idea of like here's this white woman protagonist right right and the first act of the film really portrays the... Oh look how scary this is! This white woman's going into the hood, and she's yeah, just, just exactly. so ignorant, and something right. bad's gonna happen because she's white and she yeah. just doesn't
0: get it. So it's like, oh, they, we look like cops. Exactly. That was like the main thing Bernadette kept saying: like, we look like cops. Exactly. We look like cops, and it, it was when they got over there. Like it was one of those things where it's just like, okay, we see a group of men who are out front. Yeah, in a way, in the beginning, they were minding their own business yeah, until exactly. they weren't. Yeah, but at the same time, like, okay, they get they go in there and. Sure, like they did seem out of place, and they knew that. Yeah, like they stuck out like a sore thumb. I think it also plays on the
1: audience and what their preconceived notions are because, the like the movie's being portrayed in a way like, isn't this scary? Look at this white woman with another woman who probably is half black, half white. Yeah, Um, they're going to the projects. Isn't this scary? But that kind of plays the idea of the movie. Like, why is it scary? Right. Like, uh, like what makes you think that? Something bad's going to happen, and, and, like, I mean, that's a whole different conversation on its own, but it really gets into the idea of, like, well, no, these people, a lot of these people that are in these projects are just people that are struggling trying to get by, right? 100%. And yeah. you see that with characters that we get introduced to. Yeah, like that, Anne-Marie and yeah, stuff like Yeah, Anne-Marie that. tries to explain that, like, we're not all, like, like just criminals or, yeah. yeah, or just gangbangers. Like, some of us are just trying to get by and do what we can. So with that being said, it it really plays on the audience that probably gets that fear of going like, oh, man, that fear of suspense, like two women are just in the hood and they have no idea what they're doing there.
0: Yeah. And it's in like, granted, that whole situation made us feel a little nervous for them, sure, because they they were doing something that. They both weren't used to, yeah, right. I mean, and they came from a good place. They they weren't trying to exploit these group of people. Well, yeah. in a way, they I kind mean, of they, they kind of were because of they were Helen, going there. Yeah, Helen, Helen had was like such a white she woman, was, exactly. Straight she up was walking super through determined. With her camera. Just yeah, like, I
1: don't care. I'm just here to do my work. So yeah. oblivious to everything. And then you see Bernadette, Bernadette actually watching her back. Yeah, Bernadette had this demeanor on her face where it's like, "Yo, like the people here are gonna know that, like, I." don't really understand the culture here and they're going right. to see right through me and I'm yeah. scared because they're going to like they're going to see us as as weak and right. they'll probably try to take advantage of that. You see that fear kind of bestowed on her on her face, but again, they they aren't really messed with.
0: Right. Yeah, no, definitely not. And like they they don't follow them too far. Like yeah. they don't follow them up the stairs or anything like that. They do they do the whistle thing and yeah, yeah. telling them like, "Oh, the cops are here and blah blah blah." But at the same time, like uh the way even Bernadette felt in this whole situation and things like that, like she kind of still had those annotations of like, like, Oh hell no, I'm not going in there. Yeah. Like, no, fuck that. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah you go. I well, won't go.
1: Honestly, like her whole attitude, it was kind of like how I was feeling when I was watching the, the, the film. I was like, only white people would do this. Shit, right, right. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And, and that was, that was so interesting. Like to see that, uh, that, uh, notion of yeah. that for sure. Cause it, it was even, uh, this movie was uh, filmed by an English man. And, mm-hmm. And he, because the way it's perceived, like, you can tell that, like, okay, yeah, I I could tell that this is filmed by a white man because you you do get, like, uh, certain vibes. But at the same time, like, you can also tell that he kind of did do his homework. Yeah. Because Chicago's a fucking rough place mm-hmm. like it's not it's not a place that you are going to be able just to frolic in the south side and yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and not get looks like it, it, it is a rough place it is, it is a place that you do have to kind of watch your back and things like that
1: yeah but i mean for 92 too they're also like building off of like gentrification and 100%. how like yep you know the city just made some slight alterations just to gentrify certain complexes and right. and in reality in the beginning of the film they really go into it like this is the same building that's in the projects is they just spice it exactly. up and make it look nicer. Yeah, and it's just on a different side of the city. Exactly. That's the only difference. Right. It's just, I mean, honestly, it's, it comes down to like...
0: Because it's the same architect and everything, they said. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. The the city, I mean, this is, again, like I just said earlier, a whole different conversation, but the city has constructed a way where a uh, certain group of people go on one side of the tracks right. and the other go on the other. Exactly.
0: And, and that's kind of what this movie kind of plays off to. 100%. But uh, how awesome... This fucking Tony Todd look as Candyman. Yo, I love this dude as fly as fuck. Like, <laughs> I love
1: this like sense of being so regal and he kind of oh. I got like Dracula vibes. Yeah, like, he's he has gone through such a tormenting end in his living right. life that he had he has surpassed like. Just moving on, or just being a spirit, he has ascended to like something of royalty. In it's insane. A spiritual entity,
0: and the way the way he moves, like when you f- even first see him, yeah. like it, it's absolutely. It's glorifying, yeah, because like he's in the light and Mm -hmm. like he's looking Uh, up, and it's just like he has this majestic like robe on, and he has like this kind of sexy, like suavemente kind of vibe to him, where he's like the way he walks towards her slowly, and he's not running towards her, and he's he's very patient, and he's very poetic the way he speaks, mesmerizing
1: her, and she's one hundred percent. I got man, when I was watching this, I was like, I feel the inspirations that Jordan Peele got from this. 100%. When I watch this, I'm like, I see this in Jordan Peele films and it just, yeah. it's all like making sense and connecting. Because yep. I've heard in interviews that Jordan Peele was very inspired by
0: this film. 100%. He's so inspired that he's actually producing a new one. Is he doing the new one? Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait to watch <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, and it's uh, with, uh, gosh, I want to say his name is Yaya, but uh, he was in Watchmen and uh, he was also the dad in Us. Oh, like Not the dad... The main dad, he was the dad of uh, the little girl who got taken. Yeah. In the beginning. Oh, got yeah. you. In, that the dad. in the 80s. In the nice. 80s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was that dad. All right. Um. So uh, I would be very stoked to see him be Candyman because I feel like he would be awesome at it. I think that's coming out this year, right? I hope so. Yeah. yeah. No major words, but rapping is done. So yeah, wrapping's all done. Uh, So I'm definitely very excited to see more.
1: Nice,
0: me too. But uh, don't want to take it too far back. But in previous episodes, I did mention uh, and better watch out that Virginia Madsen is the mom. She's also the the uh, she's also Helen in Candyman. That's the Whoa. same person, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <Damn. laughs> Full circle. Yeah, man. So it, it's it, you got to see her in her now forms, and then, and then you got to see her in her later forms. Um, but she was also in like Dune and all that whole other yeah. stuff. So really she's, quick, she's
1: awesome, dude. I don't, I don't know what Trevor was thinking, going for that
0: college student. Oh yeah, he's done. Helen's yeah. way, yeah. Yeah. finer. <laughs> That's what I was thinking too. I was like, you're an idiot. Yep. <laughs> oh, he knew. <laughs> but let's go ahead and jump into the plot. Candyman, directed by Bernard. Rose, uh, based off of the book The Forbidden, released October 16th of 1992, a budget of $8 million and a box office of $25.7 million. Damn, $8 million. I know. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad, especially in the 90s. A runtime of one hour and 39 minutes, a score of 75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, I thought the score would have been a lot higher, but at the same time, like I see it like I, I see where, where yeah. some people can start like nitpicking. I can see the 75% because
1: like I think it could be confusing to a lot of people. 100%. It's kind of like what motives, why is Candyman doing everything that he is doing right. and yeah. you, you really got to think about it. It's not yeah. It's not very linear. Exactly. And, and like I, I agree with people that People can get lost in that. Uh,
0: it's, a, it's a beautiful movie though. It is. But we open with a panning shot over Chicago. We cut to a bunch of bees and a voiceover of Candyman and he says, they will say that I shed innocent blood. What's blood for it and not for shedding? With my hook for a hand, I'll split you from your groin to your gullet. End quote. All of the bees fly up and we hear a woman scream while they swarm Chicago. Oh, fuck. The, that whole beginning sequence, yeah. and it's not really a sequence. It's just bees yeah. and him talking over them. But his voice is just so intoxicating it of is. how velvet it is. Yeah. And it's just, oh God, hearing him talk like, fantastic. We end with Candyman's last words. I come for you. Which he says a little bit later in the movie. We dissolve to our protagonist, Helen, smoking a cigarette. She's listening to a story that someone is telling her about Candyman. We cut to uh, to the story that uh, that this woman is talking about. A woman named Clara is babysitting for a friend. Um, and some dude named Billy, uh, who she finds attractive, comes over. It's not her boyfriend, but it's just some, some guy. Yeah. Uh, fun fact about Billy, actually. Billy is uh, Sam Raimi's brother. Um, Fred Raimi? I think think that's right. I don't know. Um, But uh, Sam Raimi is the guy who created uh, uh, Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2 and Spider-Man 3. Also, he created the Evil Dead as well. Oh, cool. Yeah, so Sam Raimi. Awesome man. Uh, she, she takes her shirt off and runs upstairs uh, into the bathroom. Billy follows her of course he does. Uh, once upstairs in the bathroom he closes the door behind him and Clara asks if he uh, has ever heard of Candyman. He says no and she explains that he looked uh, she explains what he looks like and tells Billy that, uh, that if you say his name five times in the mirror, you see him breathing down your neck. Um, and I love the traits of fives in this movie. Mm. Like even like when people would say certain things, you'd be like, oh, I'll be five minutes. Oh, I didn't. And then it, it. like, even the little kid was just like, he was only in there for five seconds. Oh, there's but, a lot of times <laughs> where I was actually counting on
1: my hand. Like how many times they say five or just like, like when names were being said, I was like, that's one.
0: that's yeah, two, sure, that's yeah.
1: Three, even though it wasn't Candyman, right? Right. Yeah. There yeah. There were yeah. moments where I was actually doing that as I was watching the film. Yeah. It's, it's a fascinating number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, really weird again, this weird sexual tension here where this, this character, this female that we were like introduced to, she's like, Oh, Clara. Clara. Yeah. yeah. She's about to get it on with this dude. And yeah. she's like, I just, I'm thinking about Candyman and she, right. it's like arousing her. Like, exactly. It's, it's, it's so interesting. And I think that kind of plays onto like the whole, I mean, Candy, I mean, Candyman's de- demise and his living life, right? Where, what mm-hmm. causes death. I mean, a, a, a white woman was attracted to a right. black man. And,
0: yeah, it's Jungle There's, Fever. Exactly, it's <laughs> that whole conversation, right, yeah.
1: of uh, white men being so um, intimidated, yeah. intimidated, oh, intimidated, intimidated by yeah. like how like manly a, a African American man could be right. back then, right, or even now. Um, and I think that's what this movie is playing off of. Yeah, but which is kind of weird because I feel like when when you look at this film in that regard, you can tell it's written by like a white man, right. When it's when yeah. these kind of scenes are coming out,
0: yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting that you even say that because it's it's one of those things where, uh, growing up as a black kid, like it, you would you would get to hear stories about like from older black women who are in a way quote unquote trying to protect the black race in a way mm. where initially it's just like oh no I don't want you to bring a, a white girl home and blah, blah 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 yeah but it was one of those things where it was just like. It, it, it it's like the protection behind it is white women don't know how uh, powerful they are yeah. when it comes to a black man. That's and, very true. And you, you get stories like Emmett Till and uh, stories of even, um, it's a movie from the 30s called uh, A Birth of a Nation mm-hmm. um, where Probably most racist movie ever, one hundred percent, and it was even shown at the White House. um, But it's one of those things where it's just like, or it's allegedly shown at the White House. But it was one of it's one of those things where it's just like all of that kind of that all of that concept makes us even even more fearful in a way mm-hmm. because it, it's it's the forbidden fruit which yeah. is a lovely name for this book as well, the forbidden um, and it's a forbidden lost love and so on and so exactly. forth because this yeah. movie is actually very romantic yeah. um, and, and it, it is a, a beautiful love story if you peel back the layers of all the horror mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, it, it's just a fascinating story So they try, uh, they give it a try uh, while he touches Clara essentially. And of course, (laughs) like throughout the whole process, I mean, like you said, she's being aroused by the name Candyman. But they never make it to five. Nope. They stop at the fourth call of Candyman, and Clara turns around to let him know that she has never gotten past four before. He goes in for a kiss, but she tells him not here and to head back downstairs for a surprise. We cut to Billy downstairs on the couch, but Clara is still upstairs in the bathroom. She completely she completes the chant and turns out the light. Then Candyman appears behind her and strikes her, and we see blood trickling out of the ceiling down to the floor where uh, Billy is. We dissolve back to the woman sharing the story to Helen while she is recording it. We cut to Helen going into another room where her friend Bernadette, and I put here that I'm actually going to shorten her name at this time. I'm going to shorten it to Bernie um, just because I find it a little bit easier to say, <laughs> <laughs> Um on top of that, I was typing this, and Bernie's a lot shorter than me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Bernie is also giving an interview. We cut to a spiraling panning shot of the University of Illinois while a professor is asking his class about, a flush, uh, about flushing pet alligators down the toilet uh, when they're uh, getting too big. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, damn, that would be such a fucking cool class just learning about urban legends? Yeah, that would be How cool would that be? That's exactly what I was thinking. Damn, I was like this. I was just like I was just thinking like when I was watching the scene I was like I want to be in that class. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. Like I, I want to learn about Loch Ness monster and I'm Big sure there
1: has been, but I wonder like how many folklore classes there has been.
0: Well, it's an it's an actual profession. It's really? called a cryptozoologist. Wow. Yeah, and it, cryptozoology is it's absolutely fascinating and it's Complete bullshit. You don't make (laughs) money from it, but it's a profession. (laughs) Uh, Helen makes it to to the class while the professor is teaching uh, the modern folklore. The bell rings and the students depart. Helen sticks around after the class but notices that he is flirting with one of his students while a few others are uh, coming to speak with him. Uh, Helen also heads down to greet the professor, who is also her husband, Trevor. She gives him a kiss, and he introduces her to the students. Uh, the last girl that he introduces her is Stacy, uh, the one that was flirting with him a few seconds prior. Uh, she's the only one who actually shakes Helen's hand and kind of gives her a little look, right? You're like, right. Oh, shit, you're the wife. Got it. More of that uh, forbidden fruit. Oh, teacher and a student, right? That's right. I put here. This little beezy has that look on her face. I was like, I snatch that shit dude, right yeah, off. Yeah, she's
1: fucked up. I'm Fuck like, Stacy, like, man. I was like, all right, you're dude. the homewrecker, and you're like trying to pick a fight over here. Yeah, for
0: real. I was like, bitch. And, I was like, <laughs> and then you had the nerve to go. Oh, you know it. <laughs> uh, the group of students. Uh, the group of students leave. Helen asks about Stacy, but doesn't press too hard on it. She is more interested in the fact that he broke his promise on lecturing on urban legends while her and Bernie are gathering more data. He tells her that uh, this is a part of a curriculum and he has to follow it. Excuse me. We cut to Helen typing uh, what she gathered from her interview earlier. A janitor uh, named Henrietta comes in and asks if she can clean the room. Um, Helen pleasantly allows her and gets back to work. She turns the recorder back on, back on right when the woman is chanting "Candyman" repeatedly. Henrietta hears the uh, hears this and asks about what her study it uh, what her study is for the urban. Excuse me, Henrietta hears hears this and she asks her what is the study about for this urban creature, letting her know that everyone in uh, Cabrini Green is scared of him. Henrietta lets Helen know that her friend Kitty knows more about more about him than she does because her cousin lives in uh, Cabrini. Helen asks to speak with her, and and she calls her into the room. Kitty comes into the. Is, I actually found found this part kind of funny because she made it seem like kitty wasn't around like she was just like a friend a distant friend like hey kitty this woman want to talk to you in here (laughs) kitty's like okay she's like okay (laughs) kitty goes into the room and helen sets up a recorder for another interview she starts telling her about a woman by the name of ruthie jean which is a fucking terrifying story Yeah. Jesus Christ. Who was in the bathtub and heard someone banging on the wall trying to come in. She called the police twice, but they didn't believe her cries for help. But when they finally came, she was dead in the bed in the bathroom floor. Helen asked if she was shot, but Kitty said no. She was killed with a hook. Kitty was and I put here Kitty was a straight up G and in her conversation with yeah. But I don't know anything about yeah, that. Dude, <laughs> no, yeah,
1: she knows. You don't snitch, right? Yeah, yeah. That,
0: that's hood coach right? culture right there.
1: Again, with that, like you see Helen throughout this whole thing, trying to get information from people, and they're like,
0: "I don't know nothing." Yeah, exactly. She it doesn't just, get like, it. She's just a white woman, right? Right, and she's she's trying to get more information, yeah. and she's trying to press and things like that. When it's just like, like obviously, this is not really your business. Like, what happened to Ruthie was terrible. Yeah. And I don't think this should be shared with you right now. Yeah. But not only that, people are trying to cover their backs, right? Yeah, 100%. They don't want
1: to get involved, and if you snitch, you get involved.
0: Exactly, yeah. If you you start talking, you're involved automatically. That's it. Exactly. Snitches get stitches. (laughs) We cut to Helen looking up uh, some old newspaper clippings to find more on Ruthie Jean's death. Helen finds what she is looking for um, and smiles. Uh... I actually found this pretty interesting, like the things that she was looking into, like the first, the first initial paper clipping that she found was, uh, this person who was brutally murdered and in, it said that, uh, multiple murders have happened in the projects and that's what, that's what the uh, title was. And then the second one was 21, uh, have happened, 21 killings. Have happened inside this, and then she finally got to Ruthie Jean of being one of those twenty-one killings.
1: And I think this is trying to play up the idea that, like, when crimes happen in the projects, the authorities aren't really on top of trying to figure out what's going on, right? And that's that's a problem today, even one hundred ninety-two, and before that, it was a problem, and it continues to be a problem. And again, this is where I I bring up that I I feel the Jordan Peele vibes because, like, or where Jordan Peele found inspiration from this because Jordan Peele is really trying to give a message out right right he's talking about the things that are still a problem today and he's interpreting it in horror because of what it means to be black from what i would assume right Right. i'm not black so i can't say yeah (laughs) but um, i am so don't worry about it (laughs) (laughs) in case listeners didn't know yeah yeah (laughs) um but with that being said I, i think that's what that main focus point of this uh scene is it's like yeah these murders happen but like they were kind of swept under the rug. Exactly. If this was happening in a white neighborhood, this would be a huge story. People would right. be all over it, but exactly. it seems like n- no one cares, right? right.
0: And it, it's interesting because like, you would assume since Helen has never heard of this happening mm-hmm. that this happened years ago. But it wasn't that long ago. It was yeah. like it was like two or three years ago, yep. something like that. And like that, that whole situation there alone is just kind of like, like wow, like yeah, you totally you got a different piece of news compared to what these people have gotten because yep. they were living in it. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 pretty it's it's incredible to think how things can be left out. Yeah, because media,
1: a, a lot of it probably only made the local news. Um, or right. didn't even get to the news. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It,
0: and it probably was on, a, like, a, a shitty spot, right? Yeah. Like it was probably, like, on 1 o'clock news or something like that mm-hmm. where no one's going to watch it because people are at work. Yeah, <laughs> and and you think about it, it seems like Ruthie Eugene is the only one that
1: got a real, like, story out of it, but exactly. it's because of how unique the the murder, the murder was. was. Yeah. yeah, it
0: was, it was just it, how she was found. Yeah, it sells papers, it gets ratings and all that. Exactly um because they they did say that there was a lot of press that yeah, did exactly. come in there and, yep. and want to know and talk about it and all this other stuff um but it wasn't necessarily to bring up the uh, the conversation of ruthie jean herself it was more so to bring up the or to exploit her yeah and it, exactly it, it it's it was all fascinating how it goes and, and even if you pause on those moments like you can read a little bit of what kind of went on yeah um I also put here that the music is very om- ominous and it sounds amazing. Mm. Like, this is a beautiful score. That's what I was just about to mention. Ugh, it's so yes. chilling. And again, I know I keep saying it, but
1: I see where Jordan Peele got inspiration. 100%, yeah. The score, man, I, I was thinking of Get Out while I
0: was listening. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. It's per- and this is your first time watching this, right? Yes, it's my first time watching it. Oh, man. It. The only... Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the only um, time I've heard about it
1: before is um, when I was like working on a project On Jordan Peele, and in an interview, I heard him say, "I was inspired by this movie."
0: Oh wow! Oh man! Well, I'm glad you got to watch the inspiration, and that's awesome. Yeah, Candyman is definitely like that. Is the movie where. It scared the shit out of me. I watched it way too young, yeah. and it was so scary to uh, me. it terrified kid.
1: me? Yeah, like
0: oh my gosh, especially when I knew, when you know that like kids also aren't safe. Yeah. Oh. Oh my god. Like that bathroom story. Oh my dude. gosh. Yeah. We'll get to that. <laughs> uh, now at Helen's place, they are looking at the newspaper that Helen printed out at the library. Helen is talking about Cabrini. Um, and how they won't go past there because of how dangerous it is. Helen shows Bernie another newspaper that shows Cabrini and her apartment complex, Lincoln Village, being built as a housing project. Helen t- uh, takes Bernie to her window to explain more of how Lincoln Village was converted to condos instead of projects. put here, this is really important because this is this is actually real shit that happens. And exactly. It's, it's even happening in my neighborhood yep. right now. Um but i mean gentrification is some of a bitch she ta- she takes bernie into the bathroom and starts uh, t- uh uh talking about the mirror and how you can take it off the wall and you'll see that it's actually a connection to another apartment um and that's that's how she knew about the pre- the other apartment complex across the uh way there the only thing blocking was
1: was the just the, another mirror well it's just the medicine cabinet yeah it's just it's not even like
0: it's just wood that's it, or yeah. Bait, you could push like it. Wall, yeah, yeah. You could push it, and that's scary. That is scary. Like Jesus Christ, because um, straight up, they
1: just got into someone else's apartment, right? That was vacant.
0: Like, yeah, that's just how oh, creepy is that? Seriously, and, and like, how unsafe yeah. can you feel? Like and, after I would have figured that out, I would have felt super unsafe. Yeah, uh, well, I was gonna say,
1: I bet you that was also put in place so people can go home and think about their mirrors and their bathroom,
0: right? In apartment one hundred percent. Like fuck, what's behind that? Yeah. Another bathroom? It's a beautiful trope that was used in slashers from time to time and time again. Yeah. You know, the whole medicine cabinet thing where you open it, oh, we I'm going to take medicine it. out, you yeah. close it, someone's behind you. Yep. Like, it's a beautiful play on that, and they play on that fantastically later. Uh, there's no wall but another medicine cabinet that is leading into an other, in, into a vacant apartment. Helen pushes that one down Um, To show Bernie uh, that you can actually just see right through it. They put the mirror back up and they start chanting Candyman's name five times. But Bernie actually doesn't finish it. Only Helen does. Because she's white. (laughs) He <laughs> knows what's up. She's like, I ain't fucking with this. And I'll study it, but I ain't fucking with it. Yeah. Uh, we transition to an empty bathroom with the lights still on and a sleeping Helen in her bed. Uh, there's a soft thud and crackling noise. Trevor jumps on top of Helen from the shadows, scaring the shit out of her. And it kind of scared me, too. Yeah. Um, and I put here, uh, as in as, most of my episodes... Once again, my wife would fucking kill me <laughs> if Yo, I were to
1: do this shit. I was like, they just don't want me to like Trevor. Seriously. Like with the introduction of his character and Dick clearly one. flirting with his student and playing it off to like, oh, she's just in love with me. Right. Right. And then this coming home all fucked up. Sure. Whatever. But then you're like. It's the middle of the night. And yeah. Your wife's clearly sleeping. If not, you heard her cry out your name, kind of scared and right. you fucking jump and Yeah. On and then her. you yeah. jump
0: on her. It's just like, like, come on, dude. Fuck you, dude. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're a dick face. Uh, we <laughs> <Dick> cut, <laughs> we cut into an aerial shot, uh, following a red car with Helen and Bernie inside. Uh, Bernie has pepper spray and tasers that she is putting into her purse. Helen feeling concerned because Bernie is uh, c- uh commenting that they look like cops, but uh, Helen's just like, no, I told you just dress conservative, <laughs> bitch. How you dress? Come on now, <laughs> you look like detectives. Stop yeah, it. Sure um, but they push through it, um, to get past to get the best thesis out there. And I put here exploiting the hood with their fears. Classic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they pull they pull up in in front of the project building. They are a, and there are a group of men standing standing around. Out front, looking at the two women in the car, very suspiciously, you can, and I put here, you can tell that they are, uh, that both of the women are scared, uh, to truly get out of the car, but, uh, they kind of push through it because Helen's yeah. just like, well, do you want to stay in the car? I'm surprised with Helen, but at the same
1: time, I'm not surprised because right. again, like damn girl, like the situation, like you're probably yeah. not a good idea for you to be doing this. Right. I mean, again, we don't know the people that are chilling out front, but at yeah, the but same time. Yeah, but you're obviously not welcome. Yeah, yeah, And not going to lie, they're wearing very 90s gang member right. attire, right? Exactly. Um, But she straight
0: up is like, nothing's going to happen to me. Yeah, she's just like, just, "She's like, I'm not scared. It's very mayonnaise. Yeah, it's just, seriously. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just like, you fucking, you're obviously not welcomed here. Like, stop. <laughs> Helen asks if Bernie would like to wait in the car uh, for her, but she doesn't. They get out of the car, uh, but not before Helen says, lock the car. Yeah, for straight up. Oh my god! <laughs> like, the first half of the movie, I did not like Helen. No, yeah. not at all. No, no, no. Um, she grew on me though. Yeah, she did. Uh, while while they are walking across the yard, they are getting catcalled. They are closer to the men um now, and they are being aggressive with their words towards the women. One even comments how they uh, look like cops. They start asking them who they are, uh, who they are going to see, while they are walking up the stairs. One of the men whistles and yells that the police are coming up the stairs. Five O. Five O. Helen and Bernie con- uh, continue ascending the stairs with a quick stop to take pictures of the staircase. And I put here, I was like, "Yep, white people shit." <laughs> exactly what I said out loud. Uh, if I would have been Bernie, like I'm like. I get it. Yeah, like you're trying to get pictures and all this whole other shit. But it's just graffiti on the wall, right? Like there's nothing here right now that screams Candyman yet. Like slow the fuck down. Yeah, Uh, they make it to the fourth floor and they stop to look at uh, look. They stop and look, then also to take pictures of some graffiti that's on the wall that says "Sweets to the Sweet." And uh, you understand that a little bit later. We'll get to that. Bernie is telling Helen to hurry up. While she is still taking pictures, a door opens with a dog barking and a woman holding, scowling directly at them. They keep it moving and and make it to the room where Ruthie died. Um, Helen keeps moving forward, taking pictures. They make it to the bathroom and open the medicine cabinet with a hole through the wall. (sighs) Yeah. Helen looks right back at Bernie at this point in time, too, and she's just like, like... told you so like look (laughs) Barry's just like cool like (laughs) like, why are we here yeah
1: (laughs) and I I really was asking myself the same thing when they were doing this like what are they trying to accomplish though exactly they're just here to be here or Helen wants to be there to be there
0: right like I I mean granted that is the rumor that Candyman did kill this woman yeah
1: right but what are they gonna find exactly
0: like it's just like what do you expect to find here and I
1: guess this is the point where um Helen's disbelief is there and she wants to like kind of debunk it. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It's weird. She doesn't believe it or it seems like she doesn't believe it. But at the same time, she wants to find proof or debunk it somehow. But if she wants to debunk it and she doesn't believe it, what is you going there going to accomplish? It's very like convoluted.
0: Yeah. And then and then she kind of transitions to it in as uh, what makes you guys scared of this. Yeah. And it's just like that should have been your main focus to interview these people instead of trying to go there and exploit and go into a dead person's yep. house for no technical reason except to take pictures of the, of the location. When I was watching this, I it was
1: very clear that Helen's motive was not to help the community or figure out no. why this is happening. It was yeah. for her own... Yeah, this is all in self-gain. Yep, self-gain motives, and she she wanted a big break for her research. Exactly. She, she wanted really... the
0: best thesis out. Exactly. I'm like, okay. Helen takes another picture and starts to take off her jacket to go through the hole in the wall. Bernie is not happy um, that that she wants to do this, and she tries to talk her out of it, but agrees um, into Helen. And I put here, this brings up, once again, the trope uh, that we see far too frequently with black characters in horror. Initially, they are the smart one who are fearful of these kinds of things, but they are still pretty much pushed and treated as the sacrificial black friend. Mm -hmm. See it a lot in like a lot of slasher films. Yep. Helen heads inside of the hole and Bernie gives her five minutes. Five. (laughs) (laughs) And I put here a great symbolism calling back to Candyman's, uh, saying Candyman's name five times. While inside, she is taking pictures of her surroundings going deeper into the other side. Bernie is left in the bathroom, um, and she sits on the edge of the tub waiting for Helen to come back. She also does use Helen's jacket oh, to real? sit on the tub. She's smart. I was like, you go, girl. She ain't yeah. around. Fuck her. <laughs> uh, Helen makes it to another hole. The camera pans out, and we see that uh, it is uh, in the mouth. It's she's coming out of the mouth of a black man painted on the wall. And I put here beautiful cinematography. Um and I paused it and I just had to look how beautiful that shot was yeah. of her coming out of the wall. Oh.
1: Speaking beautiful. on yeah, yeah, you're right. Cinematography, beautiful. Um throughout this entire film actually, like it's, it's- we really good. We brought it up earlier. The uh, extreme close-ups of mm-hmm. Helen's face, very nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties. As the helicopter shots. Oh my god! And throughout the beginning of the film, and scattered a little bit around it. Man, really pretty. Very. It's just worth noting. That's it. One hundred percent. Just look good.
0: Yeah, and and just like you said, this movie ages aged yeah. really well. And it's it's a good
1: touch because I think Helen's car is red. Yeah. And when those helicopter shots are going, you see all the neutral colors of the cars, but then the bright red car of hers. It's it's
0: really artistically done. It's really, really well done. Um, Helen looks back at the painting on the wall. She looks like she is slightly overcome with something, but quickly snaps out of it to see the candy on the ground. Sweets to the sweet. Yep um she goes down to pick it up and there is a blade inside the chocolate that cuts her finger uh checking back in with bernie and she is still sitting nervously looking around and spots a decaying doll inside the tub while sitting there helen comes back startling bernie (laughs) uh she is letting her know that she ran out of film and she has to go back in but bernie is not having it this time and tells her no She actually put her foot down. They close the mirror, and there's that lady with the dog from earlier, Anne-Marie, asking what they are doing in this room. They let Anne-Marie know that that they are from the university working on a thesis and would like to ask her a few questions. Helen hands her a card, but they are interrupted from a baby crying. Anne-Marie tells them to come with her while she goes to tend to her child. She says that... Quote, uh, whites never come here unless they are coming to cause problems. End quote. Helen assures her that uh, this is not their intentions. anne opens the door to her home. Bernie is hesitant to go inside, but Helen insists that they continue forward. anne asks, what are they studying? Um, uh, then they bond over the child briefly. Anne Marie asked if they are uh if they were here about Ruthie Jean, and sh- uh she let them know that she actually heard Ruthie screaming through the walls and she was the one who actually called nine one one, not Ruthie. She called nine one one, but nobody came and everybody is scared to uh even talk about what happened to her. Anne Marie says that they are uh that they are never going to catch quote unquote him.
1: I think it was a good touch when they when Anne-Marie mentioned, I call it 911, but no one came. Yeah. Because that's that's something that you hear happen a lot, right? If you're calling from the hood or the projects, right? Like, cops won't come. Nope. And it sucks. Yeah. Um,
0: They'll take their little time sometimes. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, But damn, how tormenting, how scary to hear the screams through the wall, right? When everything's so connected. seriously, And especially when you hear that how it happened, and you're her neighbor, right? And you have a child, and it's just you. And uh, it, I think it shows why she has such a a beefy dog, right? The dog's there for protection, 100%. and there's just there's a lot of like, um, environmental storytelling within that. Yeah, so it's, it's
0: spoopy. one hundred percent, yeah, one hundred percent. And in the way that they tell these stories are. Very creepy, mm-hmm. and it kind of reminds me of uh, like those uh, ghost hunting shows, like the initial stories that they kind of start off with yeah. before they actually start doing the ghost hunting part. Um, that's what the stories kind of kind of remind you of. They remind you of ghost stories, mm-hmm. and it's 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 very fascinating to listen to them. Like, the writing is actually really well done in this movie.
1: Yeah, I have to agree. And yeah, I think that's a huge part of why it aged so well. And again, it's that it's sticking to the foundation of the boogeyman, right? Exactly, it's Candyman.
0: Yeah. Helen asks who she is talking about, and Anne Marie simply says Candyman. We cut to Helen at dinner with with her husband and colleagues, including Bernie. Purcell is asking Helen and Bernie how they are how they are doing, but in a mocking tone. Uh, this is actually their uh, their teacher. Hmm. For the master's program, Helen is not amused and says a smart remark to, uh, to him. Bernie jumps in and says that uh, they will have something for him by the end of the week. She starts to let Marcel, or uh, excuse me, Purcell, uh, know that they just went to Cabrini, but he cuts he cuts her off and calls it Candyman Country. Purcell continues by telling them, uh, telling them the actual tale of Candyman, starting in. Eighteen ninety, and that he was also the son of a slave. His father was a rich man that invi- that invented a device for mass-producing shoes after the Civil War. Candyman went to a- to great schools and grew up in a polite society. He was a very talented artist and was commissioned by a wealthy landowner to uh, paint his daughter. They fell in love, and the woman became pregnant. The father had Candyman executed. These men chased him all the way to Cabrini Green and sawed off his hand with a rusty blade. They smashed a beehive and smeared uh, the honey from the honeycomb on his naked body, and he was stung to death by the bees that scattered onto his body. They then uh, burned his body and scattered his ashes all around Cabrini Green. And, um... But here, during the telling of the story, Helen's face was completely fixed in almost a hypnotic state. Yep. Now, here's the thing that makes this story more fascinating. They never say his real name. <laughs> oh, that's a really good point. How would you know all of this story without not knowing his name? Yeah. I mean, it probably got
1: lost of time, right? Maybe. Or yeah, wow! I never even caught that.
0: Yeah, they never say his actual name, but yet they know his whole life story of him being the son of a of a man who invented invented a mass producing of shoes. If that is a rich person who invented a mass producing of shoes, mm-hmm. you should know his name. Yeah. So i I just harken that back to w- once again being with the times and him being a black man. That's what I was in about as well. Yeah. Not really mattering at this point in time. Yeah. After the story is done, we cut to Helen taking more pictures um, of the Candyman visual. Uh, she knocks on the door to Anne-Marie's, but a little boy by the name of Jake lets her know that she is not here. Helen goes to check the window, but the dog jumps up barking at her. She asks Jake if he knows anything about the death of Ruthie Jean. He tells her that he can't say anything or Candyman will get him. She asks if he is scared of Candyman, but he says that he's not scared of nobody. <laughs> like, I ain't scared of nobody. Little boy knows. <laughs> But he tells her that she's crazy for walking around here alone. Helen tells him that she uh, that he doesn't have to tell her anything, but he can show her instead. They start walking down to an area uh, where uh, where a little boy is uh, was killed by Candyman. But they walk past a bunch of trash in a pile where Jake says this is for the party for a bonfire. Yeah. Or Helen says, "Is this for a bonfire?" And he yeah. said, "Yeah, for our party." Um, we find out how that's used later. Yeah, uh, Jake tells Helen um, that Candyman is inside this restroom. He tells Helen that a little boy was sent across the street because his because his mom was getting fed up with him. We cut to a flashback. Uh, we cut to a flashback, but we go back and forth from it. Uh, the boy who was in the in the bathroom was screaming in pain for his mom. A man run the, runs across the street to ch- uh, to check on him and make sure that he was okay. The little boy was holding his private parts uh, where blood was all over, all over the place, including the toilet that he was using. What a fucked up scene.
1: Dude, this would have <laughs> fucking tormented me and terrified me as a kid. And Jake says something like uh not worth living with it missing or something. Or if you, that's not something you could fix, not worth right, living, not worth living. Man cut his dick off. Yeah, and threw it in the toilet. And threw it in the toilet, and the bathroom just soaked in
0: blood. Man, it, it was, and the kid was screaming bloody fucking murder. Yeah, like as he should have been. Yeah, I mean he's writhing in pain. He's on the oh, ground oh, curled oh, up. Uh, I'm about to faint. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, like it, it, it's it was really hard to watch. But it's one of those things where it's kind of it was super shocking because you're just like, holy shit! They sh- just showed this right now. Yeah. And like, they did not have, they had zero fucks. They were going for that factor right there. What sucks
1: about it is like, I mean, it's, Jake had mentioned the kid was mentally ill.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And he was um, causing a ruckus in the store across the street with his mom and his mom was, and he had to go to the bathroom and his mom was like, go across the street, right? Right. And you just hear screaming and everyone running out. And then mom's freaking out. And this brave dude goes through and try to go check. And he comes out with his hair white. He's just in shock. Yeah. And then you see what happens. And damn. Fucking crazy. That's terrifying. Jesus Christ. Imagine being in that neighborhood like with the fear of that, right? Right.
0: And not knowing who did it. Yeah. And you're just, and it, well, knowing who did it, but knowing that there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Because everyone in this area believes in Candyman. Mm-hmm. They genuinely believe in him. Which is probably why he doesn't fuck with them because they're not going to stand in a mirror and say his name five times because it's an urban legend. It's not worth it. No, for it's them, for them, it's real. It's real yeah. life. Yep. And it, it's kind of one of those things where, like, if you go into uh, those neighborhoods and things like that, and like people who uh, get shot or are people who are selling drugs and things like that, like the news doesn't cover this kind of stuff because one, people don't want to hear about it, yeah. but also at the same time it's kind of like it doesn't happen to them mm-hmm. where it's just like if they see it they're like shocked like oh my god i can't believe these he's just passing drugs right now i just watched a drug exchange and it's just like yeah like for him that's real mm-hmm. for you it's an urban legend yeah exactly like, and, and that's what that's what it feels like uh for this story uh jake tells helen that they uh that they found it it being his penis floating in the toilet and that he would have been better off dead helen tells jake to wait out uh wait for her outside and he's like all right (laughs) she heads into the bathroom but covers her nose from the smell she is uh taking pictures and checking in and checking inside the stalls on the on the wall we see the phrase once again sweets to the sweet
1: I think it's smeared in shit, isn't it? It is. That's, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we hear the camera go off, but the, the uh, but the man visual flashes in front of the screen. At the last stall, Helen kicks it open, and on the wall, there is an arrow smeared in poo <laughs> pointing down at the toilet. She lifts the lid with her foot, and there are a swarm of bees inside the bowl. Homegirl's crazy. Real quick on the arrow pointing down. Yeah. Like, that alone... Yeah. Is fucking terrifying. That's what I thought too. Like that alone where it's just like it's kind of that dare where yeah. you're just like, Oh, I bet you're not gonna look. Oh my god. But it's kinda of like saying, like, hey, down here. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well be leaning down a hell. <sighs> it was fucking insane. Like like it it's something so simple. Yeah. It was just an arrow.
1: Pointing downward. But straight up, if you walked into a bathroom, you saw an arrow pointing down. I'm walking out. You're running out, bro. (laughs) I'm not
0: not doing that. Hell no. Like, no thanks. An
1: abandoned bathroom at that where someone died and had their dick cut off.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And you see and you know that it was inside of the toilet. The little kid just told you. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fucking crazy. Um, We cut to Jake outside and there's a tall man that steps inside, uh, that steps behind him. And he says...
1: Candyman. man. I was like, oh shit, this is Candyman."
0: <laughs> yeah. And we go back to the bathroom and the door, is, uh, the door is opened by a man in a black trench coat. Helen says that uh, she is done and that she uh, will get out of his way. Before she can walk past him, he pulls out a hook. A few other men come inside the bathroom. One of the men grabs her from running away. She yells to let her go and, and that they are not being smart because her colleagues know where she is. Ugh. It's just like like they give a fuck. Yeah. Like <laughs> straight
1: up, this is one of the scariest scenes in the movie for me because terrifying we all know my fears if you've been an avid listener, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought a girl was gonna get raped. Yep. And I was
0: fucking freaking out. Yep, it was scary. Uh the man in the black coat walks up to her and says says, quote, I hear you looking for Candyman, man, bitch. Well, you found him. And then he hits her in the head with a hook. Fucking brutal, man. Jesus Christ. Multiple times too. Yeah. Multiple times. Like you they don't show it, but they you hear it. Uh, the men walk out of the bathroom laughing. Jake goes in after, um, after they leave to check on Helen. She is on the ground, blood coming out of her head. We cut to a police lineup of, of black men saying the line, quote, we hear you looking for the candy man, bitch. Um, and once again, uh, excuse me, not once again, sorry, I, I skipped that. Uh, they get to number five. And that is actually yep. turns out to be the right guy. And she says number five. Mm-hmm. Once again, the play on numbers. Uh, we get a quick glimpse at the damage that, uh, that is done to Helen during the, uh, during the lineup. The police sends the men uh, in the lineup out. Helen tells Detective Frank that it was number five. He let her know that, that all of uh, Cabrini is on lockdown. Um, Helen asked, asked him if, if he killed Ruthie Jean. Detective Frank tells her uh, that he did and uh the little boy and the little boy in the bathroom as well which also makes me think like how long ago was that yeah that so that must have been around the same time as ruthie jean because he had to probably been a part of the 21 slangs and and this whole like absolution that this detective
1: is like presenting like of course he did it yeah when clearly we we as an audience know that he He didn't. didn't do it and it sucks yeah but at the same time this this dude's like Doing bad shit, right?
0: Because right. It's, it's one of those things where, like, in the back of – what would have been me if I was Helen in this position? In the back of my head, I would have been like, well, okay, well, what made me so special? Why did I get spared when these other people got slaughtered? That's what I was wondering, too. I was
1: like – I was wondering what their motive is, and I feel like um, these guys were just, like, didn't want her snooping around.
0: Right. Yeah, because and I, and I think that's what it was because like it was it was to kind of teach her a lesson because she this was her second time coming around there. Yeah, but I should have I I feel like
1: they thought she was gonna die. She was bleeding out on the she was on bleeding the out, yeah, the head.
0: yeah. But it wasn't it still wasn't like a slain like the other ones like how the other ones were just completely mutilated. Well, it's because he wasn't Candyman. That's right, exactly, yeah. and that and that's why I she was so quick to just be like oh. Cool. All right. It was him. There is no Candyman. Problem solved. There yeah. we go. All the things in my head are just things in my head because that's the same thing. She didn't want to believe it either. Her mindset is in, is very reality focused. 100%. In, in, a, in
1: the living world with us, if we were to somehow experience something like that, we would probably come to the same conclusion, right? Exactly. But as an audience member, when we know we're looking into this world of horror, we know,
0: nah, you're wrong. Don't be so ignorant. Don't be so ignorant. Don't be naive. Yep. But we cut to Helen coming out, coming out to meet with Jake. Jake is mad with her because she lied to him. He tells her that Candyman is going to get him. Helen tells him that he is not real and that a bad man took his name to do bad things. Now, with Trevor, com- uh, now we cut to Trevor coming home and Helen hugging him. It's a few, it's a few weeks now because her her eye has healed. She was fucked up. Yeah, she, <laughs> like, was really she was fucked, fucked up. up. Um. And uh, he tells her to slow down. Helen uh, shows him shows him her eye and lets him know that uh, it's much better now. And I I put here I was like her eye actually looks kind of cool. It was like black. It was red. It was it was yeah, but like the actual yeah her pe- film itself like her yeah. pupil was super dilated. Yeah, it
1: was, it was black and red. Yeah,
0: I was like ooh um,
1: creepy. But it also shows the passage of time.
0: The right, time has passed. Yeah, time has passed. Like uh, there's been a bit of time. Uh, she sits. She sits him down at the dinner table with a meal out of out uh, um out on the spread. We cut to the uh, camera panning down the university. Helen is greeted by Bernie and welcome back. Uh, while they are going down into the elevators of the parking lot, Bernie gives Helen her footage that she uh, thought was lost during her encounter. Bernie also lets Helen know um, that she has been. Talking with publishers, Helen is, uh, and Helen's super stoked about this idea. She's like, "Oh my god, we're gonna be on the front page!" She's like a splurge. Splurge. She, Yeah, dude, she's like, "What?" Oh shit! I feel like she's
1: deliberately trying to be Caucasian as fuck. <laughs>
0: Yes. <laughs> like, yes. as an actress. It feels like that. Yes. Yeah.
1: And even after this, she walks to the elevator. She's looking at the photos while she's walking down the parking lot. I'm like, yo, you are just so fucking mayo. Like- yeah. Yeah, for real.
0: <laughs> like, you're Valley, for sure. Uh, Helen is walking into the parking lot uh, to her car. We cut uh, to. Um, to- uh a man from like his like kind of his ankles down right like we just see his feet uh walking towards helen she doesn't she doesn't notice yet um and puts her things in her car then she hears her name being called helen
1: oh dude yeah it's helen but it has this so like good this um
0: nice vel- layering tone. though It's yeah. almost like
1: a demonic layering yeah. of multiple voices exactly
0: it's it's so well done. It is really well done, and it's just Tony Todd's voice. Yeah,
1: it, like without any alteration. That's crazy because it's creepy, but all this <sighs> at the same time soothing and seductive. It's, it's so, so good. many things at once.
0: Uh, she looks around and notices a man um, on the far end of the parking lot and the lights looking upward. Mm-hmm. And this looks fucking awesome. It does. It's this very looks gothic. So cool in my opinion like the way he's looking up just to explain this to to the audience here he is a a very tall black man who is dressed in a trench coat uh with uh these kind of these uh gingham slacks yeah and very nice shoes but he has his hands behind his back and he's looking straight up and while he's looking up, he has his legs parted outward, and it's and he's kind of like tilted to the side a little bit. Very suave. Yeah, super suave, but also off. Yes. And it was just like a normal person wouldn't stand like this. Definitely not. And it, it looks so fucking good. And Tony Todd's voice, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh my gosh. Um. And I put here. Uh, uh, Helen asks "Who who is it? Or who is that?" And she's like, who are you? <laughs> uh, Candy, Candyman tells her that he, he, um, he's come for her. Same thing he says in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I've come for you. Uh, she tries to head inside the car, but is stopped by the flashes in her head of the visual that uh, we've seen before. She turns around and asks if she knows him, she's, if she knows him very hypnotically. Like she's in a trance. Yeah. Uh, he tells her that she, uh, she doesn't need to leave. She says that she is late in a very monotone way. Candyman walking closer tells her that she has that she was not content with the story, so he was obliged to come. Helen has a very hypnotic look on her face, but a tear falls down. Um, falls down from her eye. And I put here, this 100% reminds me of Get Out. S- sunken place. I was just about to bring right that up. Right the yep. sunken place, right. It's so fucking good. Man, and we yeah. see this happen again, but we see this happen again with Candyman mm-hmm. a little bit later. Um, he tells her to be his victim, but he says it in this booming-ass voice. Be my victim. It's so fucking good. yeah, So good. And it gives me chills every time he says it, but it's so good. Um, And uh, while we get this awesome look um, at the hook of his hand and you see uh, for the first time how it is actually placed. It's like nailed into him, right? It's like nailed and jammed into his hand. And the the story that they tell you is not as gruesome as the story in The Forbidden. Mm -mm, Because in The Forbidden, it's... They go pretty, pretty deep. They go uh, handle first, and then they turn it. Ugh, I almost fainted. Well. <laughs> I, well. Yeah, it's
1: intense. You know, I got uh, 13 Ghost Vibes.
0: okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, I thought I was the only one who got that. I didn't no, put that yeah. here. But I did too when he was looking up. I got the torso. Okay. Cause well, that's the first thing that popped into my head. There
1: was a there was a ghost that had a hammer for a hand, right?
0: Yes. Yeah, that's yes. what I thought of. That was and it's a similar story. I think it's the exact same yeah, story, pretty much. Yeah, it's yeah. just a hammer instead yeah. of the because uh, yeah, they put the whole sledgehammer yep, in the, exactly. into his arm. Yeah, yeah, fucked up. It man.
1: is fucked up. Fucked up. And it's it's crazy how, I mean, maybe maybe thirteen goes. Uh, Got some inspiration from Candyman, or maybe this is just like.
0: Sadly- well, thirteen Ghosts is a remake. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, but it it they didn't have that intense of a story. Yeah, so yeah, 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 that character that ghost is from. Yeah. Yeah. That is literally a Candyman ripoff. Got it. Got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> slave. Yeah. Dies in front of his family. Yeah. Now that I think about it. Yeah. But, yeah
1: it's sad. Yeah. Super sad. It's sad to think about like that, r- like real life, like a story like really happening like that. Seriously, it's just, oh, that's brutal. It's, it's super it, fucking it, it, intense. It makes me sick.
0: Yeah, it's super intense, and and I am actually kind of glad it makes you sick because of like if you hear like stories of Emmett Till and things like that. Because do you know that story? Are you aware I don't of that story? So. Uh, so, really quick, Emmett Till is a kid that uh, I want to say this was maybe the fifties, maybe maybe sixties, but Emmett Till was a fourteen-year-old kid mm-hmm. who had a uh, lisp. And every time he would talk and say certain words, he would whistle. Mm. And when he was walking to a convenience store with his cousin, he was talking to his cousin, and um, he whistled. There was a white girl outside of the uh, store, Ugh. and she told a group of men that he was whistling towards her. Oh, no. Cat calling her, yeah. if you will. These group of men went into his home. Took him out of his bed and uh the family's all awake, but they're they can't do anything. Yeah. They're they're petrified. Oh no. They take this kid and they fucking brutally uh, torture this poor kid to death. That's fucking terrible. Yeah. They they've they've done horrible things. I'm not gonna name what they done here. Yeah. But his mom was a fucking gangster, dude. Like his mom, she because they were just like, oh, let's because uh, a lot of a lot of people were just like, we should cremate him, we should have a closed cl- casket and things like that. And his mom was like, no, open casket. Let I them want see. them to see what they've done to my child. Yeah, fuck. And the you can see the pictures. Oh man! But it is fucking rough. And Emmett Till, <sighs> like, is a story that that is initially. Our horror story yeah yeah and that that was one of those things where you would just think about that and kind of be worried and thank god like it's not as bad as it was it's not great but it's not as bad as it was like you don't have mass lynchings and shit like that anymore yeah. but like it, it was just a fucking terrible thing that just happened to this poor kid because yeah because in regards to that like the monsters are real, right?
1: Right. And it's the people that do things do like that. that. Yeah. And, and there's still monsters today that exactly. are doing that. And it's like it's fucking terrible. I feel like that's much worse than something like Candyman being exactly in the living world. Like these people like are among us and very prevalent and it's just it's scary. Yeah. It's truly horrifying.
0: Yeah, it really, really is. And uh to end off that story with Immittal the woman that uh, said she was whistled at, on her deathbed, she told the truth and said that he never whistled at her. Oh, my God. So this poor kid was just destroyed. Oh,
1: God. For and no it, reason. And it goes back to what you were saying, right? What, like, white women don't understand how powerful they can be. Exactly.
0: Ugh. Yeah. yeah. It, it's fucking gnarly. But yeah. back, back to the plot. Uh, Helen is fading in and out of consciousness. Uh, we are shown an image of the bees once again. Helen wakes up uh, to Anne Marie screaming, and she's inside of her bathroom. While getting up, she notices a ton of blood on and around her, and she's freaking the fuck out. She's like, "Oh shit, what the hell's going on here?" I was freaking the fuck out. I was like, "Oh it's no!" Like, what just
1: happened? I was like, "Oh no, no, no!"
0: <laughs> she uh, checks herself quickly to make sure that it is not her blood, and it's not. Helen opens the bathroom door, and the dog's severed head is on the ground with a cleaver next to it. Ugh. Helen picks up the cleaver fucking idiot. Yeah. And, well, like, the, yeah. and heads towards the Yeah. It heads towards the bedroom where a- Anne Marie is screaming for her baby Anthony. Anne Marie is is at the is at the crib with a ton of blood in in the crib in around the crib, excuse me. She notices Helen and runs over to her and starts um asking where uh, where Anthony is while attacking her frantically. She's freaking the fuck out. Dude, Rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, uh she's asking her repeatedly where's my baby where's my baby but she's also like slamming her head on the ground yeah, multiple like, times her up. um helen takes a whack at her with the cleaver and hits her arm and you get this kind of awesome little bl- bl- blood spurt and goes, yeah and i was like "Ooh, cool <laughs> when, I, when i saw that i was like helen no yeah You're, no done deal son done yeah. deal son i, was, I had a, a, a revelation moment at this time i was like Oh. I want to hear it. If they if if the police would have just been a little faster, uh, yeah, yeah. the tables would have turned. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I thought the tables would
0: oh. were going to turn when they
1: busted in. Oh my god. Especially when so the cops are straining her, right? And uh she goes for the knife and goes for Helen, and I'm like the cops are gonna be like, It was her. Yep. And Oh uh, so yeah. intense. So intense. And that and that kinda I mean, that I, I think please correct me if I'm wrong. I think that really uh speaks on, like, what black horror really is like, right? Because Jordan Peele is a big yep. advocate for this. That Like, the horror is being looked at incorrectly by the eyes of authority yeah. and being blamed incorrectly. And that, again, second scariest part of that film for me is that part where I thought Anne-Marie was going to get busted for thinking that Seriously. she was the attacker in her own apartment with her child missing and her dog beheaded, right? Fucking Because intense. a white woman is in here. Exactly.
0: Ugh. Uh. Um, police burst through the door and see Helen on top of her with, uh, with, uh, the cleaver in her hand and upright, like she, yeah. she's about to strike again. Yeah. Like and it, and it, it was intense. Um, Helen is arrested and, uh, taken into custody. We cut to Helen taking off her bloodied clothes from the uh, officer's commands, uh, and she's crying, she's sobbing, she's in shock, uh, she's it's super in shock, yeah. um, and she has to get butt naked. And she's like, she's like, oh my god, this is terrible. Sometimes I wish, I mean,
1: I uh, people may have like mixed feelings about this, but I I I think our like authority forces need to be more empathetic. Yeah, but at the
0: same time, like, oh, how how much is too empathetic? But like. Sure. Like, I mean, I like I, I see it at at certain times where it's just like, okay, like the the clothing and things like that. But at the same time, like read read a person. Yeah. Like, obviously, she doesn't know what is going on, really. Like, and granted, she could be playing the card as of like, oh, I don't. Yeah, and that's I'm lying to the cops or I whatever. Think that's why
1: um, people that work in this situation tend to be so stone cold and not only that they've they've seen a lot of the bullshit they see a lot of people fake it yeah i mean don't get me wrong like i I, like even there's nowhere in comparison close to this but like in my field of work right with customer service i am it i am less prone to be empathetic because i've heard a lot of bullshit stories but i've also like sally have probably mistaken some stories because i may think it comes off as bullshit but it's just because i've lost that empathy from doing what i do for so long right so i'm sure for like cops and authority figures like they realize it's better to just not be empathetic at all and just be emotionless and it sucks though because like in that regard in this case and for not just helen but for a lot of people it's like you're uh guilty until proven innocent instead of you're innocent Innocent until proven guilty. guilty
0: Yeah, no, 100%. Helen is sobbing while asking to speak with uh, Detective Frank. We cut to Helen sitting in in the detective's office and Frank coming into the room to speak with her. Detective Frank uh, tells her that she is under arrest for the attacking of Anne-Marie and potentially the kidnapping of uh, Anthony. Another officer asked where uh asked her where the baby is, but Helen doesn't know. Helen asked if she uh, could make a phone call um but it's it actually interesting note here too, where just uh, when the officer asked her and she was like, "I don't know, and he's like, "You're sick, yeah, and I was like, damn, bro, lay off
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should have was like she's been through a lot right." now. <laughs> For real though (laughs) This is like damn This cop is like
1: ruthless So do you Okay let me ask you this She wakes up In Amory's bathroom I don't Does she have Candyman's like Coat over her When she wakes up I feel like she does Maybe not
0: I don't think it's Candyman's coat But she has something over her Yeah
1: Do you think A She did it Possessed by Candyman B Hypnotized by Candyman To do it Or C Candyman did it and place her there just to kind of spin this whole uh, narrative of, like, a patch that she's going to follow to end up to be with Candyman to fulfill his goal.
0: That's a, that's interesting. Um, I f- think she actually did it. You think she did it? You think
1: she beheaded the dog and I all that? I did,
0: yeah. I think she did it in, in the state that she was because of all of the blood. Yeah, because um, it was on her. Yeah. And you know what I th- think it was actually on her? I- you know what? No, I don't actually I don't know what was truly on her, but I think it was the dog's body. I oh because of all the blood was like all like kinda of pulling around her like she was the one hurt. Yeah. Um but I I'm not too sure. I, I would have to rewatch that scene again. Um because the dog's body wasn't around, it was just the head. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, because you see the head and you see the blood everywhere. and But then at the same time, I was looking for Anthony's body, right? But it's missing. Yeah, it was missing. Um, it,
0: was, it looked like a body exploded yeah. in the room.
1: But straight up, it looks like a clean swipe of a thick dog's neck, yeah. right? Which is scary to think of. I honestly think, um, now that I think about it, I think Candyman did all that, but also brought Helen in kind of like a sire. Yeah, Like probably. hypnotized and yeah. like... You are gonna,
0: yeah. You are gonna. You are going you're down gonna, this path with me, so we exactly. can eventually
1: meet up to the path of yeah. immortality. I am officially
0: conditioning you, exactly. Yeah, like I, I need everybody to, who who to turn you're on you are surrounded with to turn on. I you. I need you to lose hope, exactly. In the world. Yeah. Uh, we cut to the apartment and, and the phone ringing, but Trevor isn't home, um, and it goes to the answering machine. The cop hangs up the phone and Helen asks her, "What time is it?" And the cop tells her, "It's three a.m." And I put here, "This motherfucker is out I, here, straight up, going around at three in the morning, not even worried about your wife." Verbatim, I was going to say,
1: "This motherfucker Bro, <laughs> out with Stacy." Come on now, when your wife is in jail
0: for real? It's just like it, even if she wasn't in jail. How do you not know where your wife is at 3 a.m.?
1: Right? He straight up came home, was like, oh, shit, she ain't here. I'm about to I'm get about it
0: to in. Go <laughs> uh, We go to Helen in a jail cell pacing around the room. She kneels down at a toilet and notices something uh, go down the toilet. And then we get flashes of baby Anthony inside the uh, the lair of Candyman and him raising his hookup. But uh, cut back to Anne-Marie crying and screaming for her child. Back in the jail this time, Trevor finally makes it, uh, makes it to get his wife. Piece of shit. Uh, while they are walking out of the jail, uh, they are... They are a ton of reporters outside taking pictures and yelling and doing reporter shit in movies. Uh, Helen asked if they, <laughs> I don't know if they really do this. <laughs> just like, just like, in the movies, this is what's no, up. No, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean I'm like, sure, I don't even know, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if they really Because I was like, oh, that. she's
1: a grad student, but at the same time, like, yo, like, she beheaded a dog. She, yeah, kids she, missing. she did some crazy
0: shit. Uh, she's accused for a lot of crazy shit, at least. And she's white. And she's white in the hood. <laughs> yep. Uh Helen asks if there are uh if if there's a different way out of the jail but there isn't. Trevor covers covers her head with his jacket and continues forward. We cut to Helen, Trevor, and their lawyer watching themselves uh walking through the crowd of reporters on TV. Uh her lawyer lets her know that that they haven't charged her with anything yet because they are still looking for Anthony's body. The lawyer asks ask her if she could remember anything including a small detail of what happened that night but she uh, she can only recall waking up in a pool of blood. Helen is now in her tub taking a bath. Trevor walks into the walks into uh, into the bathroom to ask if she needs anything. he needs to head to the campus to pick up some uh, some work and he'll only about be about 20 minutes or so um, yeah Helen interrupts him to ask where he was last night. He said that he was in the apartment asleep and he thought she was with Bernie. Liar. Fucking liar. <laughs> she knows, too. Dude, she knows. She knows what's going on. Like, as soon as she saw Stacy for the first time, yeah, she knew. Yeah. But it's just, like, one of those things where it's just like, okay, I either could be super crazy and be accusation or accusing him, or I could just let this play out and see, see if he gets caught up in a lie or whatever.
1: I think, and I think this is where Helen's character is actually written pretty well where she's grounded in reality yeah realistically like we talked about earlier she's gonna think this dude took up candy man's name he's doing crimes yep. and you know and then also in this situation grounded in reality you're gonna ask your husband where were you last night and hear what he has to say and kind of you can tell she's analyzing his statements right? right and trying to see catch his bullshit
0: yeah One hundred percent. She goes in. uh, Excuse me. She uh, he leaves her, and Helen uh, gets officially out of the tub and goes to the kitchen to drink a beer and smoke. Uh, She goes into her bag to check the film that she got from Bernie that day. She goes over the images and stops on the painted face of Candyman for a second, and then heads backwards to an image of her taking taking a picture of herself in the mirror. Uh, well, sort of. She was kind of taking a picture of the mirror. You just see her reflection of her taking yeah. the picture. She looks a bit closer, and she notices that she can see Candyman standing right behind her through the reflection. Uh, uh, that's enough of that. And then she turns off the projector and starts heading towards the uh, bathroom mirror. Um, and then I put here: these people just love keeping the lights on, right? Like oh, that bathroom light's always on. <laughs> uh, Helen opens the cabinet and gets an aspirin. She looks back into her apartment and this is that trope mm-hmm. right here it comes but she doesn't close it nope Katie May fucking smashes it it's like dude his it's, arm oh is like my, six times it's oh normal my size oh god he's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like oh
1: god it's Kratos I totally <laughs> <laughs> I had uh, Nightmare on Elm Street vibes when I saw yeah, this me yeah me too me too uh
0: and I put here this plays very well with the trope of, of closing the mirror and having something uh, being right behind you. Uh, but there was no suspenseful music here. Nobody nope, just went straight it for it. It just went straight for it. And I thought it's perfect. Yeah. Perfect. It gave us no warning as an audience. Helen runs out of the apartment, but Candyman is standing at the end of the hall telling her to believe uh, believe in him and iconically saying, Be my." <laughs> fucking love that line she runs back into the apartment and starts dialing for someone Candyman is inside the apartment and tells her that um he has a child and he will uh, kill her in place for him or in place of him Uh, While monologuing this awesome poetry of becoming a frightening tale, he takes his hook and punctures the back of her head. Bernie is at the door and rings the doorbell. Helen is trying to muster up enough enough energy to tell her to get out of here, but to no avail. Bernie is now getting worried and comes into the apartment. The door slams behind her, and Candyman is behind the door. He brandishes his hook at Bernie, and you can hear her screaming in pain. Um and you also hear him too with like moaning of how yeah. hard he's actually killing her. <laughs> One thing I feel like I got the vibe of every time Candyman claims
1: a victim, it's it he sounds lustful. Yeah. It sounds like he's enjoying it, like it's enjoy in he joyous moans. Right. And it's that I feel like there's so much sexual tension in this movie. It's weird. But then a lot of horror films I've noticed just has that.
0: It, it, it that's the thing with horror it's like the thing that goes best with horror is sex and comedy yeah like, <laughs> it's just honestly, it, they yeah. work yeah because like <laughs> honestly
1: like all the films that we watch there's always like some blonde chick and her titties are out yep <laughs> so it's like it's like it's it's weird because it gives people like especially like prior 2000 right before the yeah. internet was so prevalent like it gives you those people that are like, "I don't know, do I want to see a horror movie? What's really the point of me just going to watch a movie that's not feel good? And I'll get scared titties?" <laughs> okay.
0: I could see so and so's titties? You mean you mean to tell me that's involved? Okay. Okay. I feel like I bring up titties every episode. I mean, Oh, we wash her titties, it sounds like. <laughs> we aren't shown anything, but we get flashes back to Candyman's lair. Trevor is shown coming into the kitchen and Helen holding a knife on the ground in the kitchen, all bloodied. We cut to Helen getting an injection on her bed, calling for Trevor. While calling for him, she notices a cop next to her bed, and she is handcuffed. She gets up from the uh, bed, calling and running towards uh, Trevor. Helen gets to the living room and we uh, see the see the remains of Bernie. And once again, we see the trope of the sacrificial black friend officially coming to an end. Dude, she looks fucked up. She got fucked up. Yeah. Helen begins to cry and wet dissolve to a swarm of bees yet again. Helen is now in the backseat of a cop car, but we get those Willy Wonka flashes on our face. (laughs) Uh, You also get flashes of Candyman's lair once more. Any man's voice speaks and he asks, quote, Why do you want to live? If you would learn just a little from me, you would not beg to live. I am rumor. It is a blessed condition, believe me, to be whispered about in street corners, to live in other people's dreams, but not to have to be. Do you understand? We, end quote. We panning through his lair and hear Anthony crying and Helen praying for him not to kill the baby.
1: I think this is pretty important because she she asks God, "Don't let him kill that baby," right? Right. And this is really any first aspect you see of her.
0: Yeah, coming to terms with, I guess, death. Yeah, and some type of afterlife. Yeah, and, and and. officially kind of caring for others yeah and, and <laughs>
1: actually like reaching out to god right, right. and uh, i think that plays out just that line alone plays out importantly for her because i mean candy man's motive here is for everyone to kind of forsaking her right right she even reaches out to god and later we'll find out that god won't even come for her exactly right to help her out oh, so no one does so fucking interesting
0: a flash of light and Helen is on a, a gurney next to Trevor walking uh she is taking uh she is taken back into a room where she is in uh, where she is restrained to a bed while she is going against her restraints. candyman appears floating and waves his hand in her face and hypnotizes her once again yeah. and it's kind of like once again like taking her back to the sunken place mm-hmm cuz like the way he does it is so smooth where he's like he takes his hand and she kind of like follows it back towards him to bring her back to his face. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Helen is now in that trance-like state as before and whispers murderer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He asks uh, he asks her for a kiss, but she yells murderer and flo- and he starts to float underneath the bed. And this sounds like it should be cheesy but this is actually done really well it is like like the way like me saying it gives doesn't give this any justice of how he seeming seamless floats right next to her under the bed to where no one can see him yeah including her it's very nonchalant the way yeah, he goes about it the way he it. does it like it, oh man it's so fascinating for the
1: time super impressive 100% i think nowadays it depends on your um your kind of mindset of when you watch it. Because it could be funny watching it, but yeah, sure. I think it's done really well. And it is, it's is—it's very smooth. Yeah. And I think that's
0: the whole personality that's being portrayed here. I agree. Uh, doctors rush in and give her calming drugs. <laughs> I don't know what kind of drugs we uh, We are back at uh, Cabrini and we are uh, with Anthony cooing. Candyman holds, up, uh, holds out uh, his hook, but instead puts his finger in the baby's mouth. Um, back at the psych ward, Helen is taken out of her room. They bring her to Dr. Burke. This part is fucking awesome. She tells him that she uh, would like to speak with her husband, and he says that he will arrange a visit. She finds out that she has been there for a month, Whoa. and they have been dosing her with uh, this drug. They named the drug, but it's not important. Dr. Burke tells her that she has been convicted of first-degree murder. He asks, he asks her to he asked her to tell her what happened at her apartment. Helen is now quiet. Dr. Burke turns on a video recording of the first night that she was uh, committed, but nothing, but nothing is shown with her in the video while she is saying "murderer," She starts to cry for her friend, Bernie and tells mist and tells Dr. Burke that she is not capable of doing something so heinous. Helen tells him, uh, Helen lets him know that she can prove her innocence by calling upon Candyman. She looks into the mirror and um, starts the five chants of his name. Looking back at the doctor, waiting for something to happen. Nothing for a few moments until Candyman not necessarily appears, but starts to stab Dr. Burke and slash him from the groin Up Uh, to his gullet. The scene elevates
1: so quickly at this point. So quickly, this is where I'm having so much sympathy for Helen. Yeah, I'm like, yo, like a psych wards, man. They, they, when I see a (laughs) character in a film uh, incorrectly um, get sent to a psych ward, I just, I feel sympathetic. It's scary, and it's, I mean, when it comes to psych wards, and it, it just feels like, and I feel like movies always portray this that it's just like. Stealing your life from you. It's like, you are not fit enough to have your own life, so we will tie you down. We will bond you down. We will numb your mind. Yeah. And it's sad. Yeah. And for someone to be sent there um, incorrectly sucks. And you hear that she's been there for a month. Not knowing. Unconscious.
0: Yeah. She's just like, what?
1: And she comes to terms with that her friend is gone because it's like as if it just happened for her. And then she has a realization that... In the film, Candyman's not there, and she's coming to terms with her uh, mental health. And she's yeah. like, "Even the deepest, darkest parts of me, like I will, not, I, I cannot be capable of doing that to my friend, right? Um, and, Especially for no reason." Yeah, and then in the act of desperation, she calls out Candyman in the mirror, and nothing happens. And you just see that sense of defeat. Jesus Christ!
0: And then here he comes. Yeah, and he's mm. like he slowly emerges up while he's. Literally taking his hook yeah. into this man's fucking
1: brutal. back. Yeah. And
0: he's just like, <gasps> uh, At the same time, I'm like, all fuck the, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> all the blood is spattering. And I even like kind of raised my hand where I was just like thinking to myself, like, I wonder in that moment when they die from not believing someone, right. if they're just like, fuck, only if I would have believed this person. I hope so. Like, <laughs> like hope only so. if
1: I would have believed this person.
0: I would probably still be alive right and
1: now. You know what I was thinking, too, when Candyman was killing him? I was like, yo, they're going to come in the room. She's going to be tied up. And then what are they going to do? And then he should have was like unhooked her, her restraints. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like Now they're going to just be like, you did this. We don't know how, but you did right. it. And I thought she was going to put them back on. Right. Straight up, she was like, fuck this, I'm out. Yeah. Because Candyman goes out the window, and she follows, like, yeah. out the window as well. I'm like, oh, fuck. But at the same time, I was like, what are you doing? And I was like, actually, if I was in this situation, I think I would have done the same. I, I would have tried to get out Because they would have just too. drugged me and kept me yeah, down exactly. and just sent me to jail immediately or something, right? Yeah,
0: they would have found a way to still blame this on me. Yeah.
1: And she she goes savage mode, right? She, like, straight up knocks on another window, yeah. alerts a nurse, like get me inside. And nurse is going to be like, well, I got to get you in here and then we'll figure out. And she's just like, nah, fuck you. I'm going to take your, yeah, your exactly. uniform. I'm like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> fuck! I was like, I'm glad I watched this movie. Cause if I'm ever in a situation where I <laughs> falsely entered in a
0: psych ward, this is what I'm going to do. This if I what, have the chance, this is what's going to happen. Um, it's interesting to me. Cause I'm just like, why did the, the doctor lock his door? I wonder,
1: or maybe it's just locked in general because it's a psych ward in case someone gets out and maybe. tries to go for a doctor. That's, maybe they have some
0: resentment for or maybe there's some worse yeah maybe maybe there's criminally insane people in there yeah
1: or or I was gonna say maybe, oh, maybe he had worse his intentions? intentions are way
0: worse hopefully not because it didn't hopefully come not. off that way for he actually, not.
1: he actually seemed like he was was
0: kind of trying to help her
1: yeah he was trying to figure it out yeah but I think more so just trying to figure out what is her status? Like, is right. she really fucking crazy? Is yeah. she mentally is she, ill? Yeah, or? is she
0: schizophrenic, bipolar? Yeah.
1: What's going on? Because you can tell, like, at a point, he's like, wow, this woman is actually well-educated. She's making sense. Like, right. But there's this video proof of, like, her, her not act- making sense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, let's get to the bottom of this because yeah. people are dying. Yeah.
0: After Candyman slays Burke, he tells Helen that she is now... um. That she is his now, and his congregation will witness a miracle. He undergoes her restraints and flies backwards out of the window like a vampire. Yeah, pretty neat, very Dracula. Um, Helen heads over to the window and starts. uh, Oh yeah, he undoes her restraints, (laughs) Um, and. Helen heads over to the window and starts shimmying to another window. She pushes a nurse down and knocks her out uh, to take her clothes. Helen heads to an elevator door and waits impatiently for it to open while uh, cops and guards are running past her. She runs all the way home, hoping that Trevor is home. She makes it to her door already open and notices that there's there that her furniture is flipped upside down, wrapped in Stacy is painting the apartment. This pissed me off. Oh, my fucking God. Stacy's fucking scared. Yeah. She's like, oh, shit. She straight up was like, oh, my God, this fucking serial killer is here yeah. in my, in
1: it, my house. But it's it's, yeah, her, it's house. her house.
0: <laughs> Oh my god, she is so scared. Um Helen tells her to get out of her home. Stacy falls slightly off of the ladder and calls for Trevor. Trevor comes into the room and he's just like, "Oh, did you get another boo-boo?" Oh, boo-boo. <laughs> Yo, really quick.
1: Stacy's acting is on point here. Fuck yeah. She turns around. She smiles like a,
0: like you initial like, "Hey." Oh fuck. Yeah. And then she just starts crying. It's immediately real, yeah it's, really, yeah, it's well really, really well done uh trevor comes into the room and is shocked to see his wife he tells stacy to call the hospital but helen tells her not to touch the phone trevor is super scared at this point but helen is a fucking badass and not letting him live this shit down trevor tells her that uh we should call the hospital and helen tries to hand the phone to stacy it's super bad she's like take the phone yeah call 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 them i love this and it was so good and then she moves over to uh trevor and tries to hand him the phone but he no one's taking it she then sort of comes to realization of what she's kind of doing and how she's semi-acting and yeah. she steps away from the phone before that though she
1: says a great line she's like what's up trevor oh there, right. <laughs> you look like is there something that you're afraid of or scared of? Yeah.
0: I love that. Fucking great line. Uh, he slowly moves culture to the phone, but Helen lets him know uh, that it is over. Helen leaves, and he grabs the phone. We cut to Helen over the river um, and more candy Man VO. He is telling her that they will ab- abandon her, and all she has left is his desire. We cut to dusk in front of uh, in front of Cabrini. Helen heads to Ruthie Jean's room and goes inside the mirror. And the carnage all over the room is fucking just vicious. Like, mm-hmm. there's blood and shit everywhere so in there. So blood. Like, Jesus Christ, he went on a spree. Uh, she goes into the hole uh, where candles are lit and grabs one of the hooks that is on a chain. Up another hole, she looks around a bit further. She shines her light on the wall and notices a colonial painting of Candyman running away from someone. Another image shows him being pinned down and having his hands sawed off by three men. We hear Candyman breathing, and Helen looks behind her to see him sleeping on a table. Helen moves closer to him and raises the hook to stab him. He opens his eyes, and she she, uh, uh, stabs him out of fright. She's like... (gasps) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like, um he gets up and takes the hook out of his chest with a quick blood spurt uh coming out of his chest and i put here what a fucking effect because the way that the sound on the blood it was like yeah like it, when he pulls it out oh my god it was it was like, sick. <laughs> like oh my god it sounded like it got sewn back up or yeah. some shit. it, it was, was it was not fucking cool it, this gave me
1: the realization that he's more of a of a monster than a than an entity, right? Than yeah. a spiritual ent- entity, right? Because he's sleeping. Yeah, it's very Dracula. Yeah,
0: very Dracula. Uh, he he gets up complete. He completely gets up off from the table, and uh, has shedded a tear that caresses Helen's fa- and and shed. She, excuse me. He gets up from the table, and then he has a tear sh- uh, shedding from his uh, from his face, and then he caresses Helen's face. And that, that's the tear that I was talking about from earlier. Yeah. Where um, it, it, it kind of felt like a tear of betrayal. I mean,
1: I think we later find out why he gets emotional.
0: Yeah. She asks about the child, and he lets her know uh, that he will not be harmed. He picks her up and uh, walks her to a, the to a table. Helen tells him that uh, she is afraid. And she's all hypnotic, right? And she's yeah. all in hypnosis right now. Um, he asks he ask if she is afraid of, of the pain or beyond. She says both. He assures her that the pain will be exquisite. That freaked me out. (laughs) And people will talk about them from years to come. He places her on the table and she clings closer to him. Helen pulls her hand out and she notices bees on her hand. And this kind of brings her back to terms, back yeah. to reality. Candyman opens his trench coat to show and expose his rib cage with bees inside of his bone structure. Oh. He has bees coming out of his mouth, dropping onto Helen's face. He kisses her while they have the bees swarming all around him. Uh, Candyman lays Helen down to rest. He heads over to Anthony and says that it is time for a new circle. While picking him up, we we cut to Helen waking up, uh, trying to get the thought of the bees off of her, but nothing is truly on her. We while wake while walking, she notices that the hook is still on the ground and she picks it up. She continues forward to a wall that says, "It was always you, Helen." <laughs> Goddamn. She heads over. Uh, she heads over to it and she sees the image that resembles her. This is what I wanted to bring up.
1: So, I mean, I got I gathered the idea that she's a reincarnation of his past lover, right? This is correct. Okay, <laughs> and that's I love a reincarnation story. I always do. So good. Um, but fuck, I mean, it makes sense. Like right? you, you really need to understand that aspect to really bring the movie full circle. to understand why Candyman is doing what he's doing and why it's so specifically different with Helen.
0: Yeah. There's multiple Candyman movies too. Yeah. And some, some that go a little bit deeper into his lore. Like Candyman two goes really deep into his lore, which is fascinating. Um, Candyman says that it is always her, and we can hear Anthony crying. Helen heads out of the room to see where it's coming from, and she notices that it is coming from the pile of garbage for the bonfire that Jake said that they were going to light for the party. We cut to Jake waking up from the racket outside. He doesn't notice uh, that it is Helen going inside the, uh, the garbage, but he does see the hook submerging into the trash. Jake says... He's here, back to Helen, and she drops the uh, drops the hook down. But she continues forward anyway. Jake gets some friends with with gas cans and start heading towards the pile. While Helen continues for the chi- for the child, a group of people are pouring gas on the pile. More people are coming because they hear that Candyman is there. A complete and I put here a complete hood spectacle, Cre- uh, creating an urban legend in the hood is something that is definitely applauded. Mm. I think that is fucking genius the way they did this Um, uh, Jake lights his torch and throws it into the pile Candyman grabs Helen by the mouth um, so she can't scream everyone is chanting to burn him uh, Helen gets out of the clutches of Candyman's grip and starts screaming for help, but nobody can hear her. He is telling her that uh, they will die together and be together forever. Helen gets a little glimpse of the destroyed Anne-Marie Anne outside of the pile of trash. She has one more jolt of courage and sets Candyman on fire to try to get to get away from him. While trying to crawl out of the burning wreckage, she is pinned by a pillar that is also on fire. Uh. Helen is able to squirm out of the holding, but catches her back on fire while holding Anthony. She makes it out of the wreckage towards the crowd of people. Two people run out uh, with blankets and start putting her out. Candyman is still inside, yelling for her to come back to him. And he doesn't chase her once. Because he's heartbroken. Again. Yeah. Anne-Marie notices that her baby is there and goes down to pick him up. Helen is all types of fucked up right now. She's like, fucking hair burnt off and shit. Yeah, her head and
1: her back, back. are burnt
0: off Backed. uh man is combust uh man uh combust and we hear the sound of bees heading out of the fire jake still convinced that Candyman man is, is is in there sees one last glimpse of his burning corpse in the fire we dissolve to helen's funeral and of course, fuckface Trevor is there with Stacy. Yeah, I, I, uh, come on, dude, really? Helen barely, um, and I put here. Um, Helen barely had any friends and family there, but she became a legend. So the whole group of people who were there for the bonfire, yep, actually came to see her off. was I'm not gonna lie,
1: I was really sad when I saw there was only four people, four people. at her funeral. Yeah, and it was. Her husband that was cheating on her, Stacy that he was cheating on her with. That asshole teacher and some rando. That was the lawyer. Oh, the lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) Like straight up. Like are you serious? And I felt so sad for her. And again, the whole second act of the movie was me being sympathetic towards her. Right. Seeing everyone from the projects like come in a, yeah. in a line, like and
0: Amory's leading the pack, yeah. and Jake is right next to her holding the fucking hook, right? That sense
1: of forgiveness, but honestly, it's like it's more so. I feel like they have the sense of like. I feel like they understand that she kind of freed them of that curse of 100%. Candyman. Yeah. Um, 100%. And, Cause like I feel like right in the moment when they start burning the pile and their Candyman Anthony and Helen are in it. Helen has this this moment where she thinks, "What if this is a good path? What if it is right. good to become immortal? Move on." She mentioned in the film when she was bonding with Anne Marie that she's always wanted a child, right? And she she had she has no one at this point. She has someone that. Just wants to love her forever, yeah, and make her immortal so she could do it. So, giving him a chi- giving her a child as well to become immortal with them, yeah. And she, it's for a split second, you can see it in her face, but then she realizes, no, this is wrong, yeah, because she sees Anne Marie, yeah, and exactly, yeah. and she's gonna condemn all these people to continue to be cursed, and- exactly have yeah. this fear and to keep the rumors alive, the folktale exactly. alive. And not only that, but she's taking a innocent child with her. If right. she were to. So
0: <sighs> it, there's man. layers upon layers. It's so good though. It is. And God, the beautiful storytelling. It is. And the facial expressions from Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd are just like flawless. I agree. Like flawless. Like I would love to see her do things like this again. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, that's fine. <laughs> Damn, she looked good when she was She to... did. I was like, oh, geez, got a little 1990s crush. <laughs> uh, Jake takes uh, takes out the hook from his coat and drops it down into the grave with Helen. We cut to Trevor in his bathroom and Stacy calling out to him, asking if it is okay in there. He, um, he, he is not interested at the moment because he is mourning his wife. Fucking asshole, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really... Guilt, shock, and realizing that his wife is gone. Right. Like, sure. Like, I, I bet he was I, like. Oh, now you miss her. Yeah. I'm right. sure he was like, sure. Like, I could have just, like, left her. We could have still been cool somehow and right. all this. Like, he just feels bad, right? He's remembering yeah. what it was like, the good times. Right. The of good course, times. that's what you do once. Once something's gone that you miss. You always remember the good, not the bad. But, exactly. I mean, I think he was the bad. But, right. Uh, he was a bad
0: thing in that relationship.
1: And Stacy not being empathetic. Stacy is jealous that he's mourning that he's her dead. and yeah. like fuck her right exactly. Um,
0: and she was always jealous of her. Yeah. I mean, hey. Uh, Stacy heads back into the kitchen and slams open the fridge out of anger towards Trevor. Trevor is still in the bathroom thinking of his wife Helen cooking in the kitchen and running and running to give him hugs when he comes home. Yeah, the fucking good life. Stacy is still in the kitchen to please Trevor. Trevor is crying in the bathroom and calls out to Helen. He calls her name a couple more times and uh, then turns off the light Five and continues times. once more, which is the fifth time. Yeah, Helen appears, scarred and all, and asks him, what's the matter? Scared or something? I love it. That's <laughs> why I brought it up earlier. She said it to him before. <laughs> she is holding the hook and stabs him from the groin to his gullet. Stacy comes to check in on him because she hears all the commotion going on in the bathroom and his... and. It, Uh, She opens the door, and his hacked corpse is in the tub. We are left with Stacy screaming, but we dissolve to a visual of Helen instead of Candyman. Then credits. I loved it. Man. I fucking got this movie. I gotta add, Helen's uh,
1: afterlife design is great. It's awesome. She's pale white, scarlet red lipstick. Her hair is burned off, but... Perfect. I'm uh, glad
0: they didn't bring her back as how he knew her. Yeah, they brought her been... back as how, uh, how she became a legend.
1: Yeah, she, she saved the she that
0: turned into a phoenix.
1: Yeah, and she she lifted a curse for a, a
0: giant group of people. Yeah, 100. It's awesome. I love it. Uh, so I got a, a few facts for us here. And uh, facts. This fucking movie was bonkers to film. I bet. Tony Todd was stung by bees 23 times Oh shit. during no. the space of the whole Candyman trilogy. Damn. Jesus H. Christ. The bees were bred specifically for this movie. What? They needed to make sure that the bees were only 12 hours old so that they looked like mature bees, but their stingers wouldn't be powerful enough to do any real damage oh, towards the actors. Shit. Damn. Damn. <laughs> Exterior hallway and stairway scenes were actually filmed for a few days in the infamous Cabrini-Green housing projects, mm. though the producers had to make a deal with the ruling gang members to put them in the movie as extras to ensure the cast and crew's safety during filming. Yo, that's pretty <laughs> Even dope. Even with this arrangement, a sniper put a bullet through the production van on the last day of filming. Oh, fuck. But nobody was injured. Damn a sniper! What a sniper? The yeah, there was someone on the villain. Fucking sniped him. Holy shit! There was a fact: a Candyman killer in real life who was different to the fictional Candyman. Dean Correll was a serial killer in Houston, Texas area who raped and murdered numerous boys from 1970 to 1973. He would lure he would lure children into his home using candy from his family's factory. So the media dubbed him the Candyman. Dean Correll had two teenage accomplices who. Acted actually helped lure the young boys but when dean plotted to rape and kill one one of them they shot and killed him instead i don't like that one that one's just scary right virginia Madsen had to get uh, get up up close and personal with those bees a fact that almost forced her to pass on the role quote when bernie was first asking me to to do the role i said I said, um, well, I can't. I'm allergic to bees, she told Horror News Network. He said, no, you're not. You're, no, you're not allergic to bees. You're just afraid. So I had to go to UCLA and get tested because uh, because he didn't believe me. Oh, man. I was tested for every kind of venom. I was far from allergic to wasp. So he said, we'll, we'll just have paramedics there. It will be fine. You know, actors will do anything for a paycheck. So fine, I'll... I'll I'll be covered with bees. So we had we had a bee wrangler and we pretty much told us – we excuse me. He pretty much told us uh, you can't freak out around the bees or be nervous or swat at them. Um, it would just aggravate them. They used baby bees on me. They can still sting you, but are, are less likely. When they put the when they put the bees on me, it was crazy because uh, because they have fur. They felt like little Q-tips roaming around me. <laughs> oh man! Then you have pheromones on you, so they're all in love with you. So they just follow you and think you're their queen. Oh my goodness! I really just had to. I really just had to go into this uh, zine sort of sort of play. Place. this oh excuse me this zen sort of place uh and the takes were very short we took the long uh bless you what you. took the longest was getting the bees off of us they had this tiny bee vacuum which uh wouldn't harm the bees after the scene where the bees were all over uh, my face and my head it took both tony and i forty. Five minutes just to get all of the bees off. Ooh. That's when it became um difficult to sit still. It was cool though. I felt kind of like a badass. <laughs> wow. That's a that's a cool story. It is. Uh Virginia Madsen was hypnotized and given trigger phrases on set for her scenes with Candyman. Madsen grew increasingly uncomfortable with this method, so asked for it to be cancelled.
1: Mm, wow. Pretty interesting. That is interesting.
0: Uh, Tony Todd negotiated a bonus uh, of $1,000 for every bee sting that he suffered during filming. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'm going to get in writing. Mm -hmm. Sweets to the Sweet, which is written at at the crime scenes, is a line from William Shakespeare's Hamlet. Wow.
1: (laughs) I missed that. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, director Bernard Rose had uh, Virginia Madsen and Tony Todd Ta- take ballroom dancing classes so they would actually be more romantic towards uh, towards each other and have a w- more romantic connection when playing their characters I like the commitment and I got that
1: that very like Dracula romance you yeah. know so I think it, it really played so off good. well
0: uh, the Candyman's lair was designed to look like a gothic church constructed by the people who believed in him living in Carber- uh, in Cabarini Green mm. Uh, we're going to go do a couple more here, and then we'll send you on your way. <laughs> uh, Clive Barker's story actually took place in Liverpool, England. The, there were some controversy that the filming was depicting racism and racial stereotypes, according to Rose. I had to go... Um, I had to go and ha- uh, excuse me. Quote: I had to go and have a whole set of meetings with the NAACP because the producers were so worried. And what they said, what they said to me. Uh, when they read the script was why are you why, why are we having meetings about this you know this is just good fun their argument was why shouldn't a black actor be uh, why shouldn't a black actor be a ghost why shouldn't a black actor play Freddy Krueger or Hannibal Lecter if you if you're saying um, that they can't be it really is perverse this is a horror movie according to Virginia Madsen Quote, I was and am now worried about how people will respond to this movie. I don't think Spike Lee will like this film at all. Mm. Very
1: interesting. I'm interesting. glad that they
0: thought about that. Though. Yeah, really glad that they. Thought it's
1: glad. I'm, I'm glad that like snippets of this information like happened. I mean, it's the '90s, right. but it's so long ago now. Right. There's still yeah. Like you could still hear that about how it went down.
0: Seriously. Um, interestingly, Groin to Gullet is another Shakespeare reference, but from Macbeth, where it is rendered from Knave to the Chaps. Knave mm. <laughs> to the Chaps. Knave to the Chaps. Last one here. The Candyman in Clive Barker's original story had been described as an impossible, or excuse me, as an imposing possibly white man. He is described as having a rather unnatural shade of yellow That is, that of course adds to uh, his candy theme with an unruly red beard. Hmm. Super fascinating. I love this stuff, man. I really, really love this stuff. They're Movie fun. facts are fun. Um, you know, fuck it. One more. One more. One more. Th- this one's interesting. For the scene in which bees fill Candyman's chest cavity, bees were placed in a special body appliance, which uh, was filled off stage and strapped to Tony Todd's chest. Utmost care was taken to be gentle in placing the bees properly for the scene and then collecting them afterwards. Can they you really that? took
1: care of those fucking bees. Can you imagine having bees placed all over your chest? Jesus Christ. No. Oh, yeah. No.
0: Exactly. Like, I, I out when a bee's, like, buzzing right next to me. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But let us know what you think of this movie on Twitter, at Goodnight Life, and that's Night with a K. By all means, I want to know what you guys think about Candyman, because it's a classic. It's a beautiful movie, and even though it has those tropes in there that are, are definitely a little played out for us black folks, it still is a very beautiful movie and an actual beautiful romantic story. It's a, it's just, it's a, it's a good movie. <laughs> this was a good, really episode. good movie. Uh, the next movie that is going to be on our list is *The Transfiguration*. *The Transfiguration* is another beautiful story about another uh, project film about a vampire this time. Ooh. It's a very fascinating story. And I'm very excited to uh, get to that one here. But, you're right, David. This was a good episode. a great <laughs> episode.
1: Great conversation. Great Seriously. discussion. 100%. I, oh,
0: I'm glad I made it to this episode. I'm glad you made it to this episode, too. Because yeah. this, this is definitely, uh, uh, as I said before, this is very important to me. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. And across from me, we had David. Spoopy Boys. Spoopy Boys. Out. Also known as nightly our efforts to get this show out is not enough we need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights rating us with five stars is very helpful but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who would actually enjoy it you could further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash good life and that's night with what K? K by pledging on patreon you'll have access to the show as early as monday if you don't have any bucks to toss don't worry a new episode is released every friday on most podcast services around the world and remember everybody Don't forget your night.